Well, Kansas will endear very little punishment to end college basketball's IARP era. We're going to discuss that. Another very, very late transfer portal edition, an update on Memphis guard Mikey Williams, and more on a jam-packed episode of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Happy Friday, and welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Andy Patton. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, folks, we are continuing our conference preview series. Just a handful more to go as we get closer and closer to the start of the college basketball season. Today, we're talking the Southland Conference. Five, five new head coaches in that 10-team conference. We're going to talk about all of them, but primarily talking about Will Wade at McNeese, what that means for that school. Can they jump up in the standings? Uh, how will they endure his 10-game suspension? All of that coming up, but first... We're going to lead off with a six-pack of news updates. For those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, everyday listeners of the show, first of all, shout out to you. We very much appreciate you taking on the show on a daily basis. A six-pack is something that my co-host Isaac Shade and I have done on Mondays throughout the season, kind of just rounding up the biggest updates that we didn't get to cover at the start of the show and just kind of rapid fire going through them. And today I decided to kind of bring it to the top of the show before we talk about the Southland Conference, because there's a lot of kind of new updates going on in college basketball the last couple of days that I wanted to be able to hit on quickly here to get you all into your weekend nice and updated on what's going on in the sport. And it starts at Kansas because Kansas finally, after years and years of waiting for an update, has received their penalty from the IARP. It's kind of the last era where we're going to see these kind of big decisions, these big infractions discussed for multiple years before coming down with a ruling because of the, of course, changes to college basketball in the rules and NIL and everything. It kind of has made this somewhat obsolete. And as we have often seen with high profile brands, Kansas gets away with kind of just a slap on the wrist here. They were initially charged with five level one violations. I say charged, assessed is perhaps a better way to describe that. But the IARP ruling eventually moved them all down to level two and level three infractions. There's a lot more detail to be gotten into for those of you who want to read it. Multiple outlets have reported on it. But effectively, Bill Self in Kansas have a three-year probation. Their wins in the 2018 season have been vacated meaning that that Final Four appearance is vacated, no Big 12 championship. Technically, it means their NCAA tournament streak has come to an end, uh, ended in that 2018 season at 28 years. It also means now the official record books will show that Kentucky, not Kansas, is the all-time leader in wins with 2,377 compared to 2,370 for Kansas. That could change on a year-to-year basis, as it probably will continue to do, but no punishment for self, a few recruiting bans, most of which have already been put into place. They've already done a handful of them. So there's just not really a lot that's going to come out of this. But the nice thing for college basketball fans is we can kind of just wipe our hands of this whole 
era, this whole multiple years waiting for a punishment that frequently doesn't come at the level that many people were expecting it to, uh, we're kind of just done with it. And I think that's the, the positive vibe out of this. For people who are angry Kansas didn't get punished more, I can understand that. I know Oklahoma State fans are pretty unhappy. There's reason uh, for that to be the case. But I'm kind of just feeling like, hey, at least we're done with this portion of college basketball history and can focus on, you know, still other things that are not great that are happening in the sport, but at least this particular time period we can move on from. Next up, AJ Dibansa reclassifying from the class of 2026 to the class of 2025. Six foot nine forward from Prolific Prep. He's almost immediately going to move in to be the number one prospect in the class of 2025 over Cameron Boozer. Dibansa is perhaps the most exciting, not college or professional basketball player in the entire world. He is an extremely high level athlete, going to be a fantastic college player, one and done. Very good chance he's the first pick in the 2026 NBA draft. Plenty of offers right now, no commitment yet, but he will be in college a year sooner than expected. Next up, Jose Perez has entered the transfer portal again. What a whirlwind for Perez. We don't have nearly enough time to get through the whole situation for him, but he was at West Virginia last year, was not given an eligibility to play, sat out the entire year, entered the transfer portal after Bob Huggins was fired, decided to return to West Virginia, and then was kicked out of school, kicked off the team for academic reasons. Not a lot of detail at this point known what happened there. It looked like his, I thought I, I had heard that maybe his eligibility was out and he was going to be done with college basketball. Now he's entering the portal. Reportedly, according to Joe Tipton on Twitter, he is going to visit Ole Miss on Friday. So it would not be a shock to hear him committed to the Rebels as soon as Friday or over the weekend. Arizona State and Michigan have been listed as rumored destinations for him as well by Trilly Donovan on Twitter. We also know that Oregon and Gonzaga were interested in him during the offseason when he was in the transfer portal. I suspect neither program is looking at him right now, but don't be surprised to see Jose Perez potentially at Ole Miss after spending 18 months at West Virginia without ever getting into a basketball game. Next up, Mikey Williams. Uh, he has been ordered to stand trial on six felony gun charges. For those of you who missed this story, Mikey Williams uh, was arrested a few months ago. Uh, it was a hit and run type situation. Really, really messy stuff from him. Incoming freshman at Memphis kid who was one of the most highly regarded high school players in the country back when he was a freshman, had millions of Instagram followers, kind of pioneered the NIL era in a way as getting a big deal from Puma. Um, kind of fell off a little bit as his high school career went on, ended up committing to Memphis. Now there's a pretty good chance he doesn't play. Pretty good chance he doesn't play at Memphis. Pretty good ch chance he doesn't play Division One college basketball as well. He's facing 28 years in prison. I don't think he's going to get convicted for 28 years in prison, or sentenced, I should say, to 28 years in prison, but he's probably not going to play. And this is a tough loss for Penny, but of course, justice for the victims and, and consequences for the actions here for Mikey Williams are what matters most. And it, it sounds like his arraignment scheduled for October 24th, so we should know more uh, in the coming weeks. But yeah, wouldn't be expecting to see Mikey Williams uh, on a Division I college basketball floor anytime soon, if at all. A couple more things here before we get into our Southland Conference preview. Uh, St. Mary's picked over Gonzaga in the WCC coaches poll. For those who have been paying attention to West Coast Conference basketball, paying attention to St. Mary's and Gonzaga, this probably isn't a shock, but it is unusual to see Gonzaga go into a season not as the favorite in the WCC. Now, St. Mary's got five first place votes, Gonzaga got four, so it was a very, very close battle, but there is some reasoning behind this. Gonzaga is 
they lost Drew Timmy, they lost Julian Strother, they lost two veteran guards and receiver Bolton and Malachi Smith. Three players off their bench transferred. Wake, For- uh, Wake Forest added two of them, and Efton Reed and Hunter Salas. Uh, Dominic Harris goes to LMU, and and it's a it's a pretty new team. Their entire bench basically doesn't have any D one experience outside of Ben Gregg. Whereas St. Mary's, they lose two key players, Kyle Bowen and Logan Johnson, but they return basically everybody else. So I can see why this happened this year, but Mark Few and Gonzaga are in a very unique position as underdogs, something that has not happened to that team in Spokane in a very long time. I think regardless of who wins it, it's going to be a really tight battle between those two teams and should make for some really fun West Coast basketball for those of you on the East Coast who like to stay up late during the basketball season. Final update here. This comes from John Calipari and the Kentucky Wildcats. Aaron Bradshaw and Ugana Onyensu, they're two bigs, sophomore and Onyensu, a freshman for Aaron Bradshaw. They're both going to be out until December. And we knew they were both hurt. We, we knew that there was a chance they might miss some basketball games, but Calipari's recent update, he provided this at the team's pro day on Wednesday, said they're going to be out another five to six weeks. So it sounds like they're going to miss some time. Kentucky opens the season play in New Mexico State on November 6th. I suspect these guys won't be there for that. It sounds like they might be out until close to conference play for the Wildcats. Now, they are going to have Zvonimir Avisic, the Croatian big man who there was some concern about his uh, eligibility status and his ability to get admitted at the University of Kentucky. But he's in. He's good to go. He's a seven-footer, high-level scorer, should be a productive player for them. They have Trey Mitchell, transfer out of West Virginia, who could play some small ball five as a six-foot-nine center. So they got some options. But not having Bradshaw and Onyensu for potentially a month of the entire season is a pretty devastating blow for a Kentucky team that doesn't have the depth that they've had in the past and is relying a lot on some younger guys. And, and while Bradshaw is, of course, a freshman, not having Onyensu and his experience uh, and rim protection abilities is, is going to be a challenge for Calipari early in the year. Well, folks, we're going to get into our conference preview series here discussing Will Wade taking over at McNeese and what that means for the Southland Conference. But... Before we get to that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best, most qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, because LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, and then you just add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Because honestly, hiring the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your job. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making Lockdown College Basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners checking us out as well. We are continuing our conference preview series here, discussing every college basketball conference in the country. We're discussing the biggest storylines. We're discussing the, uh, the who we think is going to win, the favorites, the dark horses. We're going to rank all the teams into tiers as well. We're also going to make some award predictions to close out the show, player of the year, coach of the year, all that good stuff. Today, we're talking the Southland Conference. And the big storyline in the Southland is five new coaches. This is a 10-team conference, half of the teams are turning over their coaching staff, or at least their head coach from last season. The most notable is McNeese, the Cowboys, 
We're bringing in Will Wade. Will Wade, of course, former LSU head coach, five total NCAA tournament appearances in his career. Two of them at VCU out of the A-10. The other three were at LSU. Was a tremendously successful coach with the Tigers. 105 wins to 51 losses. That includes that remarkable 25-5 and season in that 2018-19 campaign. But Will Wade was let go at LSU because of recruiting violations. It was unclear at the time what his punishment was going to look like. Since then, we have found out that Wade is going to be suspended for the first 10 games of the upcoming season. He will not coach for McNeese until their 11th game of the year. He also has a two-year show cause, but that's all that he was faced with. So McNeese gambled and gambled successfully on landing a coach who has tremendous pedigree. He's one at the Power Five level. He's one at the mid-major level. He's one at every level that he has been at. And now he's tasked with turning around a team in McNeese who has not made the NCAA tournament in over 20 years. This is a huge victory for McNeese. And we'll talk a lot more about their roster, what who Will Wade brought in, what this team looks like, how quickly they might be able to turn it around. But long-term, this is a great pull for the Cowboys. Again, four other coaching changes we'll go through quickly here. Northwestern State replaces Corey Gibson with Rick Cabrera. Gibson was hired at Austin P after just one season at Northwestern State. He went 22-11 and 11 in that one season. That was enough for him to get bumped up to a different level. Meanwhile, Cabrera comes in. He has not been a Division I head coach before, but he has been a high school head coach, a community college head coach. He's also been an assistant coach at Chattanooga, Austin P, and Arkansas State. Incarnate Word also makes a coaching change. They replace Carson Cunningham with Shane Hireman. Carson Cunningham was let go after a not very productive five-year run as the head coach at Incarnate Word. Uh, 42 and 105, just under 29% uh, for that winning rate there. Not a surprise to see him let go. Hireman comes over after a five-year run as an assistant coach at DePaul and then a two-year run as the associate head coach at Central Michigan. Texas A&M Corpus Christi had a huge overhaul with their roster and their coaching staff after back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances under Steve Lutz. Lutz took him to those two tournaments and then took that head coaching job for the Hilltoppers at Western Kentucky. Hard to blame him there. A&M Corpus Christi is hoping to stick with the same kind of thing by bringing in Jim Shaw. Shaw's promoted as an assistant coach since 2021. He was under Coach Lutz for the last two years while they went on those back-to-back tournament runs. So I think the, the program is hoping that he can continue to kind of keep that vibe alive for them. Prior to his time at Corpus Christi, he was an assistant coach at Tarleton and Texas State. Then finally, Nichols is replacing Coach Austin Clonch with Tevin Sadler. And Nichols is, or excuse me, Clonch went 16 and 15 last year. He did go 90 and 61 in total over his time at Nichols, which is why he left to get an assistant coaching job under Nate Oates at Alabama. Uh, two regular season titles for Clonch. This is a tough loss for this Nichols program, but they bring in a coach who, if all goes well, he might be here for 40 something years because the guy they're bringing in, Tevin Sadler, is 28 years old. He played at Nichols in the 2017 18 season. That's not that long ago at all. He was a dobo for the program for the next couple of years after that. He then spent one season as the player personnel director at Maryland. Now he comes back, taken over as a head coach at age 28. Personally, I'm very interested to see how somebody with that uh, that age, that youth with, with limited experience, I mean, director of player personnel is still not an assistant coach. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out for Nichols, uh, a team that has had a, a fair amount of success in the last couple of years. 
Uh, beyond just the coaching changes, there are some other stuff going on in the Southland Conference. And as we talk about so often when we do these conference preview series, uh, especially when we're talking about lower majors uh, like the Southland Conference, the story is typically transfers out. Modern era, thousands of guys transferring every single year. Players who are productive at a level like the Southland are typically going to move on to greener pastures. And that is a big part of the story outside of the coaching changes for this conference. Southland Player of the Year, Demarcus Sharp, has moved from Northwestern State to Austin P. That is where he is going to play next season. Uh, again, that he's following his coach, Corey Gibson, who took that job uh, from Northwestern State, so can't really blame him there. Not the only guy moving on to Austin P. Southland second teamer, Jamonta Black, also going there from Northwestern State, so Gibson takes two key pieces from that Northwestern State team along with him. Beyond that, a pair of first-teamers outside of Sharp are also moving on. First-teamer Terion Murdix goes from Corpus Christi to Western Kentucky. Again, not a surprise there as he is following his head coach. Uh, fellow first-teamer Isaac Mushila also at Corpus Christi. He's not going to Western Kentucky, though. He's heading over to the Mountain West where he will play at New Mexico. Uh, and then a couple more second teamers as well. Uh, Trevion Tennyson goes from Corpus Christi to TCU, moving all the way up to the Big 12. That's a nice jump for him. And then Southland Freshman of the Year, Nate Calmisi, goes from Lamar to all the way up to Seattle, Washington, to play for Mike Hopkins and the Huskies. Last thing here before we get into our, our previews, who's going to win the conference, all that good stuff. Uh, while we often talk about transfers leaving the low majors. There are also always transfers who are kind of coming down from that power six level, uh, transferring to a lower major school for the hopes of more playing time, more opportunity. And while not everybody's going to be Brandon Pajemski, who went from Illinois to Santa Clara, and then of course turned into a top 20 draft pick, you do see guys come down and have significant success when they transfer to a lower major. Three key ones go into McNeese to play for Will Wade. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about our favorites for conference, but that is Shahada Wells going from TCU to McNeese, Mike Saunders going from Utah to McNeese, and then CJ Felder from Florida to the Cowboys. There's also Anthony Thomas going from Kansas State to Northwestern State. Four guys to keep an eye on as they make that transition to a lower level to, to potentially be significant contributors in the Southland Conference this upcoming season. We're going to close out the show and the week here on Locked On College Basketball discussing the favorites and the dark horse teams to potentially snag that Southland auto bid in the NCAA tournament, as well as some end-of-the-season award predictions all coming up after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time than right now to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. You can bet on all sorts of stuff. You can bet on spreads. You can bet on player props, over-unders, money line, all of that, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, closing out the show today with our Southland preview. We talked about some of the big storylines. We're going to talk now about our favorites to win the league. And we got to start with McNeese. We have to start with the Cowboys here hiring Will Wade. And this is a team that was in eighth place last year. They went 6-12 and 12 in the Southland Conference. They went 11-23 and 23 overall. But with the additions this team brought in, 
with Will Wade, who's again not going to coach for the first third of the year, out 10 games, but with him coming in, with his pedigree, with the talent coming in, this is a program that has a very legitimate chance to go from eighth to first, even though they haven't been at the tournament since 2002. Now, they lost a couple key pieces. They lost Zach Scott. They lost Jonathan Massey. Massey transferred to Longwood. Scott leaves without any more eligibility, two double-digit scores. But it's hard to ignore that trio of Power 5 transfers joining this team. Shahada Wells averaged six points and 2.3 assists at TCU. Prior to that, he was a 17-point-per-game scorer at UT San Antonio. Mike Saunders comes in, junior guard from Utah, averaged 4.1 points per game. They also had six foot seven senior forward CJ Felder, who averaged 2.3 points and about three rebounds per game under Todd Golden at Florida. Three big time additions from TCU, Florida, and Utah. Good, solid basketball programs. Two of those teams probably going to be in the big dance this upcoming season. That's a lot of really premier talent, veteran experience to bring into a roster like this. They also had Damian Richards, who averaged 10.5 points at UT San Antonio last year. They also had Antavion Collum, who averaged 13 points per game at Bakersfield. So there is an influx of talent joining the Cowboys this season. Again, haven't been for a very long time. Can Wade make it this year? I'll tell you what, I don't think they're going to finish eighth again. I'm not sure if they're going to win it, but it's hard to imagine they're not in the top three just with the amount of talent that's on this roster. The other big favorite here is Southeastern Louisiana. They went 18 and 14 last year, including 12 and 6 in the league. Uh, they also retained four of their five starters. They do lose Boogie Anderson, who averaged about 14 points per game last year, but they retain the rest of their starting lineup, and they also add a transfer from Austin P in Carlos Paez. Paez averaged 7.8 points, 3.6 assists, and shot about 35% from three. If he can adequately replicate Boogie's performance last year. Not crazy to imagine that Southeast Louisiana, who was the favorite predictor, the, the winner of the coaches poll when they did their media day. So this is certainly a team that the coaches believe has a chance to win the league. So I think for me, it's, it's between Southeastern Louisiana as well as McNeese are probably the favorites, but there is a dark horse. There's always a dark horse when we're doing our conference previews here on Locked On College Basketball. And for me, that dark horse team is New Orleans. 7-11 last year, they finished sixth in the conference. They lose three key rotation pieces, but they retain all their starters. I think that's a really big key for this team. Very, very rare for low major teams. If you finished outside the top five of a low major conference and managed to retain the majority of your key performers from the year prior, that's a really, really big benefit for continuity. Helps you early in the season, helps you just through, I mean, really throughout the season helps you when you get to the NCAA tournament, or at least when you get to the conference tournament, I should say. Uh, beyond that, they have the best player in the conference. Jordan Johnson, 18 points per game last year, 48% from three. This dude is a bucket. Really high-level scorer, solid distributor, great outside shooter. This is a really big, big player to retain for New Orleans. He could have gone to a lot of different places, and he would have gotten that kind of attention from some Power 5 programs. But he stays at New Orleans. They also add some depth transfers in Mason Jones from Rice, as well as James Glisson from Mercer, guys who should contribute for this team, help replicate some of those uh, key depth options they lost in the portal. But as long as they have Jordan Johnson, this is a hard team to beat night in and night out in the Southland Conference. And I think there's a real chance that they go from, from sixth to third, second. All it takes is a couple good games in the uh, conference tournament, and bam, they're in the big dance. 
We're going to tier out the, the teams here in this conference before we make our award predictions. Tier one, uh, we're going to keep the top two at the top, McNeese and Southeastern Louisiana. I think they're the two most likely teams to potentially win this tournament uh, or to win this automatic bid and to win the regular season. So I'll have them in their own tier. But I got New Orleans right below them uh, in tier two alongside Northwestern State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who's won the regular season the last couple of years, but had a significant roster overhaul uh, after changing coaches this offseason. Tier three has three more programs, Texas A&M Commerce, who is very new to the Division I level, but proved to be very solid last season. Also, a couple of programs with coaching changes that are hard to hard to know how that's going to shake out in Incarnate Word and Nichols. And then rounding out with tier four, which is Lamar and Houston Christian. All right, closing out the show and the week with our award predictions here for the Southland Conference on Locked On College Basketball Player of the Year. I already teased it, folks. It's Jordan Johnson. This guy might average 20 this year. 18 points last year, 3.8 assists, 2.3 rebounds, also 1.3 steals. And like I said, 48% from deep. New Orleans is a solid program. I think he's going to have a similar role. Again, the similar starting lineup, so there's not really any expectation that things have to dramatically change for him. And I think he's going to come into this year looking extra sharp and potentially be one of not too many 20-point-per-game scorers in all of college basketball, which should be plenty for him, especially if New Orleans moves from sixth to third or second uh, in the conference. That should be plenty for him to take home that Player of the Year award. Transfer slash newcomer of the year. I'm going with one of those three power five transfers over at McNeese, and that's Shahada Wells coming over from TCU, a guy who averaged 17 points per game at UT Arlington in the 2020-21 season. He then transferred to TCU, spent two years at TCU, only played seven games his first season with the Horned Frogs, but last year, 5.9 points, 2.3 assists. He played all 35 games for the Horned Frogs. He also made nine starts. You go from starting nine games at TCU to McNeese, I think he's going to be a guy who's already scored 17 per game in a lower level. Like I think he's going to be a guy who's really productive. I honestly almost consider him uh, a strong. I mean, I do consider him a strong candidate to be player of the year as well. And certainly a very strong candidate to be the, the newcomer of the year. He should run point guard for what I think might be the best team in the entire conference and should learn a lot from Will Wade. Who's very good at coaching guards uh, for his pedigree indicates he's very good at coaching guards. Coach of the year. I'm going with Mark Schlesinger at New Orleans. Uh, again, if I think they're going to jump from sixth to third or sixth to second, that's probably how you get that award. Uh, he won it back in the 2016-17 season. He's been the head coach uh, at NO for, for 12 years now. So a guy who's been around, who knows how to coach in this conference, who's already taken home this award. And if Jordan Johnson leads this team to a, a top three finish in the conference, I think Schlesinger is the one who takes that award home. Finally, we're finishing with Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going with Bonk Maring from Houston Christian. Houston Christian is probably one of the worst teams in the league. And quite honestly, Houston Christian was one of the worst defensive teams in all of college basketball last year, which typically doesn't lead to having the Conference Player of the Year. But Bonk Maring was awesome. He's, an off, he's a great offensive player. He led the team in points, rebounds, I think, assists, steals, and blocks. Uh, he, if not all five of them, at least four out of those five categories. He was 1.1 blocks per game last year. He's a six foot ten big. He's very athletic. There's not a lot of six foot ten athletic bigs in the Southland Conference. To me, I think Marion takes a step forward. I think Houston improves on the defensive. Houston Christian is, improves on the defensive end of the floor enough that he is the guy. If he's 1.5 blocks per game, if he's eight rebounds per game, if this team makes strides defensively, I think that's enough for him to be the guy who gets that defensive player of the year trophy uh, for the Huskies. 
All right, that's going to wrap us up for today here on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. We'll be back next week with more conference previews with some top 25 rankings. We'll talk best passers, best rebounders, best in the college basketball. We are just a few weeks away, folks, from college basketball being fully back. we got secret scrimmages. we got media days, all sorts of good stuff coming your way right here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as always, peace out.